Let's get down, let's get down to business. In order to understand what we should be doing in Ukraine, historical perspective matters. And an openness and a recognition that maybe we all don't have the knowledge base to have all the facts to make a smart determination of what to do. The problem with that argument is that we have been so abused by the so-called experts for the last two and a half years. Why in the bloody hell would we listen to an expert? This is the rabbit hole. This is the problem. And what I'm trying to do is trying to pull everybody out of the holy damn rabbit hole. Because once you're in, you're never coming out. That doesn't mean you can't have a conversation. It doesn't mean there can't be shenanigans afoot. It means to believe wholly in conspiracy theories as opposed to facts is a problem. And to believe wholly in something that your head has decided without the knowledge base behind it is also a problem. And we are right now inundated with pseudo-intellectuals in political office that are doing both of those things. They heard three guys talking on a street corner, so they've got a conspiracy theory. Or they feel something in their heart and they decide that's a policy. Neither one of those things makes any rational sense. But I am convinced that the decision on what to do regarding Ukraine, if anything, is up to us. And it can't be up to the politicos. Us taking back our power, just like we need to on mandates and other things, is paramount. But we need to have a basis of understanding. We need to have a baseline of conversation here. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's great to be with you. Kurt Schlichter joins us right now. You know him as the author. You can find his books at Amazon.com, the Kelly Turnbull series of books. He has some new books coming out later this year that I'll talk about in a second. He is also a columnist at townhall.com, and he's got two pieces worth reading. Uh, No Sacrifices for Ukraine, which he put out uh, uh, just five days ago. Six days ago and two days ago, can we have some real talk about Ukraine? And Kurt, you're a man who has graduated uh, from the War College. You served in the military, uh, retiring as a full bird colonel. Um, The conversation for you is a little more complex than should we have troops in Ukraine? Should there be troops on the ground in Ukraine? We're getting begged by Zelensky to help in Ukraine with a no-fly zone. Uh, But let's start there. In your view, should the United States be militarily active right now with troops in Ukraine? Absolutely not. That's a terrible idea, Tony. But it's also the wrong question because we have to we have to jump back into uh, get some perspective. What's our objective in Ukraine? And I mean, in the short term, that is how we're going to resolve the present shooting war, but also for your a year down the road, five years down the road. Nobody's thinking about that. It's all emotion. It's all reaction. Why are we near a no-fly zone? Okay. Leaving aside that that risks World War III, literally, because it's declaring war on Russia. What are we trying to achieve by that? What, 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 what's going to happen if we, if we uh, assume we do clear the skies of, uh, of Russian aircraft, assume the Russians don't clear the skies of ours, because, of course, we'd be flying into the teeth of the Russian air defense system. Um, what are we achieving? What is it doing? What are we try- are, are, are we trying to allow Ukrainian counterattacks? Are, are there still mechanized forces that can do that? Or are, we most, or are the Ukrainians mostly fighting in small groups of anti-tank uh, weapon-equipped uh, infantry? I mean, what, what, what the hell is all this? You know, every, you, know you, you get these bits and pieces 
right? The, it, it, it's like pointillism. You, you, you get little bits and pieces that are uninterconnected. Well, I want let, to let's get MIGs, uh, uh, javelins. Uh, 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 we, 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 we need to do a no-fly zone. Okay, what's the picture we're trying to put together? What do we want to do? What, are, what is the end state we're seeking? And they're not all bad ideas. I mean, javelins are a very good idea. It's a very bad idea, no-fly zone. Uh, a, a criminally stupid idea. But what, what are we trying to do? What do you want Ukraine to look like in, in a month? I do think that that is the right question. I have uh, likened it to you know the rules of engaging in, in shooting, right? You got to know your target and you have to know what lies behind it. And your question is, what do we want Ukraine to look like? It means you're saying, as I see it, there's a lot more than just repelling the Russians here because we haven't asked ourselves how long it would take. Uh, Are you making the argument also that we shouldn't be engaged in selling or providing javelins or stingers uh, to Ukraine? No, because I I think looking at a larger objective – what I would be doing, because my and keep in mind, my objectives are American objectives. Zelensky's objectives are Ukraine's objectives. And I sympathize with the Ukrainians. I served with Ukrainians, and I went to Ukraine and trained Ukrainians. Uh, but I'm not a Ukrainian. I'm an American. So I want a result that supports American interests. And perhaps that result is something like the borders uh, that were intact uh, or in place uh, on February 24th before they invaded. Um, is that some I could live with? I, I could live with that. I don't know if Zelensky could live with that because there'd still be Russians squatting in the Crimea and Donbass and the, uh, uh, some other areas. Uh, but, you know, uh, uh, arming uh, light infantry with anti-tank weapons would seem to support something like that. But something like MiGs, I, 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 I don't know what that – are we trying to rebuild the uh, – entire Ukrainian conventional forces on the fly, or do they think that MiGs are, like, magical? Okay, They had MiGs. They all got shot down. The argument I would make on the other side of that, talking to Kurt Schlichter, author and columnist, his latest book, Will Be Back, The Fall and Rise of America. Uh, that is available. Is that available in October? Or no, July. Uh, July 12th. It, it'll be out in July, uh, but you can pre-order now, and you should. The Fall and Rise of America. We'll uh, number one new release in 21st century history of the U.S. is what that is. We'll be back. The Fall and Rise of America. I have no issue with Poland handing over uh, the, the, the MiGs. I don't think that puts us in any bad place whatsoever. If you could send javelins and stingers, you can send MiGs. You can make the argument of the MiGs won't do them any good. That's the, what the U.S. military is saying. We don't believe it's going to help them, but that's not for us to decide. If they want the MiGs and Poland wants to give them the MiGs, give them the damn MiGs and, and move on with the day. Poland doesn't want to give them the MiGs. Poland wants to give us the MiGs. And then Poland would get aircraft from us, and then we would give, uh, we would presumably refurbish the MiGs, because do you think these 40-year-old vehicles are good to go? What do you think the OR rate, the operational readiness rate, is on them? Uh, If it's 40%, I would be staggered. Uh, So we would get the MiGs, we would rebuild them, uh, thereby, you know, potentially making a target out of the uh, air base that we're rebuilding them at. Because, you know, we don't get to decide what's a target or not. Putin does. Vladimir, the guy we were told is crazy and stupid and evil, and we're counting on him not being crazy, stupid, or evil. Um, 
and and of course we rebuild the things, and then uh, then I guess we just sort of piecemeal hand them aircraft, which doesn't really help because you don't fight with aircraft, you fight with squadrons. Squadrons are a group of people that include pilots and include guys on the ground, include operational guys, logisticians. You know, again, like I was saying, it's just, it's like these little bundles. Give them MIGs. You don't give people MIGs. You give people squadrons. Units fight. Individuals just die messily. It seems to me that it was it is a nonsensical fight over these MIGs uh, because we've decided that somehow they're different. And I still, and I disagree with you, I don't, I don't believe them to be different. Your argument is a very sound one that giving them the planes doesn't solve a problem because you need the totality of the ability to fight. And this goes back to the idea of vision. This is the problem that I think that we're having. We have politicos who believe in the idea that we must do something. And the crowd that always says we have to do something are the same people who decided we need bailouts of AIG and this insurance company and this bank and absolutely uh, ruined us that way. The people who decide we have to do something are the ones who engage in nonsensical laws that provide us no value. But now I ask you, as a guy who studies tactics and understands military history, while the Russian military has proven itself inept... And it really and truly has proven itself inept. It doesn't mean that an inept military can't do damage. And it doesn't mean that this inept military won't eventually take Ukraine. Correct. What should be the U.S. position if that should happen? Because it does de facto change an equation about what it is you're dealing with. Um. That, that's a good question. Uh, I certainly don't think we go to war for Ukraine. Remember, Ukraine's always going to be more important to Russia than it is to us. It's right next door to them. They are tied together by history, by religion, by things you and I don't understand. Uh, it, it is a complex relationship. They are different people, uh, but they also share some similarities. And Russia has a huge interest in uh, what it sees as protecting its southern flank. Now, here we're getting in the point where, well, Kurtz, who's supporting Putin? Okay, first thing you do in a military operation uh, plan is you look at the enemy situation. You figure out what the enemy wants and what the enemy thinks and what the enemy's objectives are. Analyzing what the enemy is thinking is not the same as supporting the enemy. Okay, we should figure out what... Putin thinks we're going to have to agree with him, but we need to understand what he thinks. And what he thinks is that Ukraine is vitally important to Russia, important enough to send in 200,000 troops and risk these terrible sanctions. So we, 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 we need to look at the possibility that he's willing to put in more effort than we are. Uh, to win this, and we need to think about what the world looks like if all or part of Ukraine uh, comes under Russian domination. Uh, And I think in some ways it's not going to look that much different. It's not a NATO country. It's bordered by a bunch of NATO countries. Uh, But, uh, you know, Ukraine is, is not a vital American interest. The Europeans might see things a little bit differently, considering the amount of wheat that comes out of Ukraine, the amount of barley that comes out of Ukraine, and certainly no, having to pay Russia for those things creates no, a difference. I mean, 
I understood, I but I, I'm saying that, that that for us it might make little difference. I don't disagree with you uh, there. For the, for Europe, it might make a larger bit of difference, which no, now brings not. in this this NATO connection, right? I'm a believer in Article Five. An attack on one is an attack on all, and I believe that we are absolutely bound to engage a response if necessary. That doesn't mean the response is necessarily military. It means that we have to be there for people we've signed this treaty with. But now we take a look at NATO, and you see, look at, take a look at some of these European NATO allies who are really starting to work together because they just realized that they had it easy from the Marshall Plan to 2022, and now they're going to actually have to take care of themselves. Is NATO um, more important than ever, or is there something here that has to be looked at, in your view, that maybe this needs a, a tweak or a change? Well, look... Uh you know, Donald Trump started. Look, I, I think NATO is necessary. Uh, I served in NATO. I have a NATO medal. Uh, I think NATO is a necessary organization uh, that did not take things seriously because America was carrying most of the weight. And Donald Trump said, "No, you got to pull your own weight." Of course, they squealed and cried. Uh, if they had uh, actually done it, perhaps that would have deterred Putin. Uh, perhaps not. But uh, now they're apparently uh, uh, rethinking things and thinking, uh-oh, we'd better get serious. Uh, and I think that's good. The Europeans should have, you know, NATO should not be America plus some friends that might or might not come along. NATO should be an alliance of people all equally committing within their own context to the uh, safety and security and sovereignty of the borders of the member states. And that means Germany rearming. That means uh, the other countries getting over 2% of GDP. Uh, no more America doing anything. Uh, my feeling has always been, you know, if this war is not important enough for uh, a German to get killed, I don't understand why it's important enough for an American. Kurt Schlichter, that is his name. You can find him at townhall.com. We'll be back the fall and rise of America. You can get that at amazon.com and get your pre-order done, people. Make that happen right now, immediately, if not sooner. We'll be back the fall and rise of America. Kurt Schlichter, I appreciate you taking the time, my friend. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz.